Welcome to Healing Begins. My name is Pastor Gail Crock, and I got a special guest tonight. And I'm so glad you're listening. He's got an amazing testimony. Why don't you say hi, Raul? Hi, my name is Raul Masonetta. I'm pastor for Hood Church Life Recovery Ministry out of Battle Creek, Michigan. So, share with them, what was your life like growing up? Oh, my goodness. My life was pretty um, pretty screwy, you know, I, if, if I may say so. Um, grew up in the streets of Los Angeles. Um, you know, had a lot of um, trauma. Um, grew up with unresolved trauma. And, um, and I just became an angry, very upset and angry individual. I was just angry. And um, I was angry for so long, I forgot what I was mad about. So how did that affect your life? Man, trauma always affects your life in ways that a person cannot begin to um, articulate. Um, for me, I didn't even know that there was anything wrong with me. I kept going to um, um, doctors, um, um, psychiatrists. Um, they would tell me things like, well, you're dealing with bipolar disorder, or you're dealing with manic depression, um, or you're dealing with this, that, and the other thing. Um, they put me on medications. I was... Um, looking for this magic pill that never existed. And unfortunately, I had adverse side effects from them as well. And then this kind of take, took your life down in a dark path, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Um, as I was growing um, up in the streets um, of Los Angeles, I remember, um, actually, I'm from, I'm from Puerto Rico. I was born in Patterson, New Jersey, raised in the island of Puerto Rico until I was about nine years old. Um, I went to Los Angeles at the age of um, in between nine, nine and a half or something like that. And I remember um, being, for the first time, really, I, I felt like free. Um, I, I came from a very strict home. My grandmother um, in Puerto Rico, she was very strict, so we could barely even come up out of the house and things like that. So I go from being really, you know, having a lot of structure, being tied down, so to speak, to all of a sudden I'm living with my mom in Los Angeles, um, so-called free as a bird. Um, that should um, tell you a lot about how things really got started. So what else do you want to share? Because, you know, I'm thinking of people that are listening that are undergoing depression, anxiety, people that are suffering from trauma in their life, and maybe even some of them went to jail. Who knows where they've been? And today, I believe, your testimony could greatly encourage them. What else would you like to share? Well, I have to tell you um, the story from the beginning. So here I was, a young um, young boy um, running the streets of Los Angeles. I didn't really know um, any English at that time. So English is my second language. So, you know, off the top, um, coming from Puerto Rico, not being able to um, speak the language, um, it was culture shock. And um, I didn't have my dad in my life. So, you know, I really didn't um, have no real male figure guiding me in the right direction and where I should go. Um, when I started having this so-called freedom, it was, um, I know it to be, you know, counterfeit now. But I thought I was free. I was like, all right, I can do anything I want. So I began to hang out in the streets. My mom, um, not long after that, um, became addicted to crack cocaine. My my lifestyle um, from that moment on changed drastically. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that I, I now began to learn things that, you know, at my age I wasn't supposed to, you know, even know about. Um, my mom began to hang around with some of her friends who, who at that time they were prostitutes, um, you know, 
uh, my mom began to have different boyfriends coming in and out of the house, you know, um, these things, um, it, it, it was kind of odd, you know, to, to live in that environment. And one of, one of the boyfriends I really remember really well, he was into witchcraft and, um, and he was kind of like, um, like a drug Lord in, in, in MacArthur, um, uh, MacArthur park, um, Los Angeles, California. He was a Cuban drug Lord and he would do, um, these, um, rituals, you know, so there was a lot of um, black magic, a lot of voodoo, a lot of those types of things that were going on. And unfortunately, um, I really didn't um, didn't know, you know, how difficult things were going to be for me. Um, fortunately, um, this life that, that I thought was freedom all of a sudden became a snare onto me. Um, and some people might think, well, what do you mean? You know, how did this become a snare onto you? Well, think about it. You know, here you have a nine-year-old kid um, whose mom has, uh, has also dealt with trauma and has not resolved some of those things and in her own personal life, you know, things that have gone on between her and her mother and, you know, dysfunctional you know, um, uh, relationships within her family. And, and then she, all she wanted to do was just raise her kids. Um you know, she was doing really good at first. You know, she became an RN. She was doing great. But, you know, um, vicarious trauma also um, became part of her life. And um, she would tell me things like, you know, I was at the burn victim unit and um, I couldn't stand the screams of the people. And she would describe their pain and she would describe how it affected her. And I think she began to self-medicate. And that's how she became addicted to um, alcohol and um, crack cocaine. Um, when all of these be you know, all of these things began to transpire, um, I I recall very vividly, you know, thinking to myself, "Oh my goodness, this is really bad." And um, I I I looked to my older brother, who at the time had um, you know began to make a name for himself with one of the local gangs in Los Angeles. Um, it's a real well-known gang. It's called 18th Street. So he was, um, he was with, you know, running around with 18th Street. My, my younger brother began to, um, I mean, this is, a, we were kids and I think about this and, you know, so we were hanging out with some of these older, um, kids that just happened to be gang members. And, um, you know, we began to get in trouble, you know, things, um, like stealing car stereos, um, all kinds of different things. And, and, and that's how we were introduced into that lifestyle. You know, you had to prove yourself, um, to the big homies and, you had to do um, certain things to to show that you know, you were tough and all of these things. And these things brought uh, brought me specifically to a place where I felt like, wow, I finally belong. At first, I, I nobody really um, liked me, you know, because of uh, of my inability to to speak English. So I went directly and I started hanging around with Latino gangs. Um, and in in this place, I found solace. In this place, I found family. In this place, I found what I thought were going to be good friends and big homies and things like that. What I didn't know was that that lifestyle comes with a lot of um, with a lot of trauma. Later on in life, and I'm just you know compiling the, a very long um, uh, a, a life of just you know of trauma of addiction. Um, let's just fast forward 27 years later. 
You know, I'm in, I've been in and out of different types of prisons, went to Wasco State Penitentiary, Susanville State Penitentiary, Delano State Penitentiary, um, lived in a Los Angeles County Jail, um, went to Calipatria State Penitentiary, um, all kinds of different places, right? And, and you going from one place to another, you know, it's kind of like you lose your, your soul a little bit, you know. But thank God that um, in Psalms 23:3 it says that he restores my soul. I did not know that God had a purpose and a plan at that time, you know. I, I recall, you know, once, you know, once in a while I would get out of prison and, and I would try my best to, like, connect with, um, you know, with some of uh, my so-called homies or friends. And, and it was just like all the, everything had lost its taste. It's like I, I was no longer happy. I was no longer um, peace. I no longer had peace in my heart or in my life. Um, and my little brother ended up being shot to death. So I lost my little brother and I had to go identify his um, his body on my birthday. And, and I did that so that, that way my mother wouldn't have to. Um, and and I really, that really broke my spirit. Um, you know, n- no one can heal a broken spirit but God. You know, and I remember her screaming and yelling. This, this traumatized me just just um, beyond anything that I can I, I can describe. Later on, she also was uh, murdered and she was shot in the head in her apartment. Um, till this day, you know, I really don't know what when what happened. I was locked up in jail and I really um, blame myself for those things. I started to to drink heavily. You know, if I if I didn't like God before, I really didn't like Him now. You know, and I just became very violent. Um, and, and there was parts of me where I wanted to be a nice guy. I wanted to be good. I just, I just had lost the desire, the real desire from within my spirit, within my heart to actually take the steps necessary. It's like, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And I don't care, you know. So, you know, years of addiction pass, trauma, friends of mine, um, get shot, um, me being in, in, in bad situations, um, you know, um, riots in, in, in prison, riots in the streets. I remember being out there when the Rodney King riots were out there and, um, and that, those kind of things, just seeing my whole entire city burnt down. And, you know, these things, what people don't know is that the compound trauma, um, when it's not dealt with um, with a gentle and, 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 and soft hand, and, and it has to be from, it's got to be somebody that is God sent. Um, if, if you get the wrong person trying to, you know, just just help you rationalize some of these things, and um, it's not, this is, you know, some things you can counsel, but some things you need deliverance from, you know. <laughs> and I was at one point in my life where I know I was demonically charged, uh, and, I, and I hated people. I didn't think that there was any hope for me. Um, I remember um, one time, <laughs> I don't know why this memory comes, but my mom was on parole, I was on parole, everybody in the house was on parole. We couldn't even hang around each other, you know? And, um, you know, you think about these things, and then, I mean, now I think about these things looking back, and I say, Lord, you really had your hand on me. You really did care about me, you really did love me because I should have been dead over and over and over and over. And you might ask, so what happened, man? How did you change? How did you go from being a street thug and, you know, going to prisons to what you're doing now? Well, 
today I get to be an individual that helps others um, with trauma. Um, I remember my last day in jail. It was about eight years ago. I read a book um, about fatherhood. And this book really, um, really helped me out because it allowed me to see um, things in my own personal life that were empty. I asked God, I'm like, wow, what, why, why did they send me this book? You know, and um, it was actually, it was my wife whom I had divorced at that time. And I actually went to jail um, um, through some domestic violence um, um, that, that me and her had going on. And I was the aggressor. Um, you would never have thought that me and her would um, remarry, which we did. Our kids um, have um, gotten help for um, a lot of the trauma that they experienced. Um, some, but not all. But I'm telling you this to let you know that there is hope in Jesus Christ. When I was in that jail cell, I got, I read this book and I looked at the back of it. I said, man, this $15, I threw it against the wall. I said, this could have been for my commissary. I was really upset at the <laughs> fact that somebody would want to send me a book that you, you know, they, they cost that much. And I'm thinking to myself, another gimmick. This is a waste of time. Oh my gosh. Why do people even bother? And I didn't have nothing else to do. So I read it and, um, it pricked my heart because it talked about the drunk father father. It talked about the dad that was good. It talked about the dad that wasn't there um, financially. It talked about the one that was there financially, but not there emotionally. And it talked about all these types of dads and how we have distorted the view of who God really is. We exchanged the image of this amazing, loving, and kind God to the image like of corruptible man and how we have a distorted view and an image of God the Father. And God showed me through a series of events that I needed him. I needed to be fathered. And um, I remember looking out of my cell door and there was a pastor who had his arm around an inmate and he, and the pastor told the inmate, he's like, hey, when you get out of here, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to put you in a life recovery home. I'm going to get you some brand new boots. I want you to come and work for me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm, and I began to hear all of this and I got upset. I got angry. I literally got jealous. And God used the moment of jealousy in my life to point to my need. And my need was that I needed a father. See, I noticed what was going on. I noticed that the inmate was being fathered. That's the best way I can relate it to. So that fathering began to dig that dig into that area of my heart that already had had been closed off for so so long, and God spoke to me. I said, I, and I and, and it was because I called out to Him. I said, God. I said, God, I want that. I want to be fathered. And from that moment on. God began to just work in my life. He removed every desire for, for every addiction. He healed me all in one day. And now I am a pastor. Now I have, um, I partner with other churches to create life recovery homes. Now I work with men who are dealing with unresolved trauma. And that's what part of my well, testimony is. Well, I think is. what's, a, what's a, actually, I was thinking about this your uh, dysfunction became normal, mm -hmm. but you didn't realize it, right? <laughs> no, no, I sure didn't. So all this dysfunction was normal, and you were going down this path and 
headed right for destruction, right? Yes. What would you say to people out there, and and this is liable to error, and er, this is liable to go on the radio in an area where there are gangs and people from the, your background and all that. What would you say to them that are stuck in this lifestyle? Give What's Jesus, your invitation? I say, give Jesus a chance. Um, call upon Him while there is hope. While this, what, while there is hope for you. I mean, don't wait until you're a lifer in prison. Don't wait until you're taking that last breath, man. You can be living your best life, but you got to go ahead and give them that broken life you have. Give it to him. You know you don't want it anyway. Give it to him. Yeah, it's not satisfying, no, is it? No, it's not. Not at all. You remember when you accepted Christ into your heart? Yes, I do. And well, What I, was that like? That was on eight years ago, and that day, I think that's when I really I, I called on him to be my Lord. It wasn't no big, long prayer. All I said was, God, I want that. I want to be fathered. And he said, I got you covered. That's all he said to me. That's the voice I heard in my heart. And until this day, he has had me covered every step of the way. So what have you done, or where have you gone to find healing from the wounds of your soul of the past, what have you done? Well, I got this buddy of mine from Spiritual Care Consultant, <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Gale. Pastor Gale. So all of them know this as the healing begins, but yes. um, I'm the executive director of Spiritual Care. So you came to Spiritual Care. Mm. And, um, you know, we began to deal um, with unforgiveness. We began to uh, make sure that, that those parts of my life um, in regards to, you know, keeping my hook clean. You guys will find out a little bit more about that after Pastor Gail talks to you. But just know this, that through Christ, just because you come to him doesn't mean that your soul is it heals automatically. Your spirit becomes brand new, but your soul needs to be restored. So are you saying that just because you're saved doesn't mean you're perfect? No, heck no. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> People got to understand that part. Just because somebody comes to Christ doesn't mean they're perfect. Just because somebody comes to Christ doesn't mean they don't need healing. No, we definitely need healing. And um, it, and it, it's, e even when Jesus called Lazarus out the grave, he said, loose him and let him go. He called for people to help him remove the grave clothes out of his life. And I think that that's what happened. God calls us out of, out of death into life, and he brings people into your life to remove those grave clothing from you. What's so beautiful about that whole scene is what you're saying. When Jesus calls us, he doesn't say clean your life up first, no. then come to me. No. He says, come to me and let me help you clean your life up, yes. right? So, you know, there's got to be a lot of people, you know, this is going to air either really late at night or mm. like 1 a.m. in the morning when there's people listening that are under stress, anxiety, depression. Maybe they're feeling like, hey, I can't, I can't come to the Lord yet. I got things I got to clean up. What would you say to that? Listen, I, I've taken every medication available, man, out there, and there and, and and there's no magic pill. Listen, the best anti-anxiety medication that I began to take was the Book of Psalms. I began to read the Book of Psalms, and the Book of Psalms literally healed me from every. Um, level of mental health disorder. I was diagnosed with a, a, about eight or nine different disorders. I am, I am, I ain't got nothing except the blood of Jesus Christ running through my veins right now, and I'm <laughs> free because wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, were you on some anti-anxiety medications yes, at I, one time? Yes, I How was. How much of them were you on? Oh my gosh, I was like on eight or eight or nine different types of medications, and none of it worked. Um, listen, and I'm not trying to say that. Um, that medication shouldn't be part of your recovery. Yeah, we're not against healing. medication. But but what I am saying that for me, when God began to deal with me, 
one day I was reaching into the medication cabinet and, and you know, into the cabinet trying to get my medication. And I, and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, you're not going to need those anymore. I really was afraid because I'm like, I know that these things have adverse effects, mm-hmm. but I decided to trust the Lord because I know his voice. You have to get to know him first, man. Get to know him really, really well so that way you know his voice and seek him. He will help you heal. Well, I wanted to say this. You do have to be careful with getting off of medications yes. the wrong way. Yes. And we always recommend you work through your doctor because I'll give you an example on a medication, Klonopin. Mm. If you are on that medication and you decide, well, I'm most for most people, I'm just going to quit that cold turkey, mm. it'll throw you right into an anxiety attack because mm. your body is used to that medication. So... You really got to know the voice of God, mm. and it's good to have a doctor or a counselor, yes, uh, someone that can help you, but not only do you need counseling, but you need someone that can deal with the soul, right? Mm. Of course. I mean, and this is something that it needs to be talked about, and, and I'm so glad that you bring it up because, you know, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So we go to the doctor, we get treatment for our body, but yeah. there's a specialist, I swear, mm. for every part of your body. Yeah. <laughs> there's a specialist. Yeah. So you go to the counselor for your mind, mm-hmm. but then where do you go for your soul? Mm. And so that's what spiritual care, that's what healing begins is all about. It's about the healing of the soul. If you leave the area of the soul out, you wind up having a treatment plan, but it's it's got a piece missing. Mm-hmm, and incomplete. that's why Dr. Carlson and I call spiritual care the missing piece mm. of health care. And so if you're out there and you got some, you might, they, I can already hear it. You don't know what I've been through. <laughs> you don't know the depth of the woundedness of my soul. Well, I'm telling you, this brother right here, yes. you, Raul. Yes. You know how deep them souls can mm. be. But did Jesus meet you at your deepest need? Man, he met me at an empty well. I didn't even have nothing to offer. And you know what? Not only did he meet me there. And I'm, and I'm and listen, I'm not just talking to people who are at the end of their wits. I'm also talking to the people who don't think that they need help, who have, you may think you have the money, you have the resources. Listen, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Well, why don't you lift up a prayer out there right now for those that are under bondage, those that need help, those that are hurting. Can you lift up a prayer? I sure can. Heavenly Father, we just come before you knowing, O Lord, that you are more than capable and able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can ever ask or think of. If I can even imagine it, Lord God, it's still not big enough. I pray right now, Lord God, for those who are who have a wounded soul, who have a broken spirit, who have who are still dealing with adverse childhood trauma, who have unresolved trauma, who have a brokenness in the inside or an emptiness and hollow emptiness, anxiety, depression. We bind all of those spirits mm. right now in the Amen. name of Jesus. And we ask Heavenly Father that you will do a marvelous work. Release the children that you have called Heavenly Father out of this place of bondage. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, what a message of hope. You know, The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Yes, it is. Jesus said that he had come to bind up the brokenhearted and to set at liberty the captives. He said he came to give us the oil of gladness Mm. instead of mourning. The garment of what? Praise Praise. instead of despair. And I love what you said about Psalm 23. What verse was that? It was verse 3. He restores my soul. So as we end this program tonight, if you're in need and want to contact us, 
please email me at gail at spiritualcareconsultants.com. God bless you and thank you for listening.